Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Natea Jay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines he goes. Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight. Touchdown Eskimos for the win. home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. tuning in tonight hope you have a great weekend ahead of you nhl action this evening late in the first period capitals and hurricanes are scoreless a little bit later on the red wings take on the dallas stars oilers and bruins tomorrow on 6 30 chet it's an early one face-off show will be at 9 30 in the morning and the game will start at 11 the oilers coming off that overtime loss last night to the buffalo sabers second time this season they've been beaten by the sabers in overtime the bruins have lost five of their last nine games in either overtime or a shootout. They have a shockingly poor record when tied after 60 minutes, which is kind of crazy given what a great team they are. Bob Beers from the Bruins Bob, uh, broadcast booth will discuss that as we move along tonight. Also can tell you the Oil Kings in action this evening, 7 o'clock at Rogers Place. That'll be against the Moose Jaw Warriors. The Oil Kings general manager, Kurt Hill, will check in tonight before 7 o'clock. The Oilers ran the same lines at practice today. Chris Russell was not on the ice. Kyler Yamamoto Meanwhile, has been named to the American League, uh, the American Hockey League All-Star Game. We'll hear a little bit from Yamo tonight. Jake Neighbors from the Oil Kings will play in the CHL-NHL Top Prospects Games. That's coming up, a uh, prospect game. That's coming up later this month in Hamilton. Corey Perry from the Dallas Stars, a five-game suspension for that elbow on Ryan Ellis in the Winter Classic. Ilya Kovalchuk is now a Montreal Canadian. Of course, uh, had his contract terminated by the Kings earlier this year. 36 years of age. And he gets a two-way deal with the Montreal Canadiens. Seven hundred grand if he plays in the NHL. $70,000 if he plays in the American Hockey League. Uh, you probably saw it last night. Victor Olofsson from the Buffalo Sabres. Injured on Sam Reinhardt's game-tying goal. Tough break for that young man. He has a lower body injury and is going to miss five to six weeks. So that's uh, some of the lowdown on some of the news you need to know. You can participate in the show by calling or texting 780-496-0063. We'll get to some of your feedback as we move along tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Happy New Year from our friends at Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804 family um 
I was just I was just checking as a total aside to anything else, and it's it's that type of year where there's there's a lot of stuff going on. You got Christmas Day, you got Christmas Eve, you got Boxing Day, you got New Year's Eve, you got uh, New Year's Day. Everything seems to have there's always some sort of a day, right? So I just gave it a quick Google. What national day are we celebrating today? Well, it's a lot, actually. Now, there's actually a website called nationaldaycalendar.com. Angie, have you ever looked at this? I think, like, once, but not in a... It's National Drinking Straw Day. Nice. According to this website. That's awesome. So be kind to your drinking straws today. Or maybe just drink everything through a straw. I love drinking stuff through a straw, so this works for me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. There's a whole... It's also National Chocolate-Covered Cherry Day and National Fruitcake Toss Day. So if someone (laughs) threw fruitcake at you, totally justified. Don't freak out about it. Most normal thing that could have uh, happened today. Maybe this is something we should consistently update here on Inside Sports. That is... uh, Wow. I like it. This commemorates the day in 1888 that Marvin C. Stone received the uh, patent for the drinking straw. Nice. That's amazing. All right. (laughs) If you're celebrating any sort of national day, you can text us at 780-496-0063. So the Oilers last night, excellent first period, and I think the the counter to that, not a very good first period by the Buffalo Sabres. They weren't very thorough. The Oilers were able to keep a lot of pucks alive, take advantage with a couple of goals. Unfortunately, they gave one up of their own. Second period, Mike Smith, very good. The best he has looked in a while. I thought overall a pretty good game for Mike Smith. But then they uh, do the Sabres do tie it up, and we go in overtime. In from the left-hand side, Eichel. Around Kleppbaum to the net, and he drew a penalty. Back to Colin Miller. Delayed penalty. Slap shot, Miller save. Rebound. Stacking their pads. An unbelievable stop by Mike Smith on Sam Reinhardt to save the game. Uh, you got penalty Are shot. they going penalty shot? They're going penalty shot. In over the line to win it for the Buffalo Sabres. Loads up, shoots, and scores. Glove side, Jack Eichel. So Jack Eichel wins it. The penalty shot call as uh, Oscar Clefbaum fouled Eichel from behind. Uh, Rob and I discussed that last night. When I saw it live at full speed, my first instinct was, that's a penalty shot. When I saw the replay after the game, I still thought, that's a penalty shot. Uh, There was some debate about it. I watched it again this afternoon, and I still think it's a penalty shot. And actually, to me, now the referee didn't put his arm up at this point. But Clefbaum, in my mind, impeded Eichel with a hold. When Eichel got in just above the top of the circle, Eichel kept pushing towards the net. Clefbaum got a bit of a stick on him. Puck rolled off Eichel's stick. And that's when the referee put his arm up. I actually thought the more egregious foul by Clefbaum was earlier in the sequence when he put a bit of a grab on Eichel as, as he was pushing to the net. I think that should have been called. I think it should be a penalty shot. I hear the frustration from some of you that, oh, McDavid has been fouled like that and it's not called. Well, fair enough, but that's not the point. The referee has to get it right, and referees aren't thinking, hmm, I wonder if McDavid has ever had that happen to him earlier in the season. I wonder if it was called. Do I have time to check? Well, no, they don't have time to check. So 
I think that was the right call. I'm not going to beat on the referee in that, in that situation. He's got to make a decision very quickly. And Clefbaum did affect Eichel not getting a shot away. And, and that alone is part of the criteria for it being a penalty shot or affecting the quality of a shot. So I didn't have a problem with that. When you look at the play itself, I mean, Clefbaum, and it's you know easy for us to say, but if Jack Eichel is going to take the puck behind the net and stand there, you can't stand still at the top of the crease. Because if he's going to get going, he's going to blow by you just like he did. If Eichel wants to take the puck back there, Clefbaum can play the blue. I mean, he can even stand at center and wait for Eichel to bring the puck up and see which way he's going to go. So you got Eichel pulling away from from Clefbaum. Settle comes in there, goes for the poke check. Eichel gets around him off to the race as he goes. Another funny thing about that sequence, so the puck rolls off to the corner, Buffalo keeps it alive, they set up Reinhardt, Smith makes the Bill Ranford-esque save with the pad stack, the puck flipped up in the air, and Buffalo got it, and then the referee blew the whistle. The Oilers never touched the puck on the delayed penalty, the delayed penalty shot. Smith did stay down on the ice for a while, so I wonder if the referee thought that Smith might have been shaken up after making that save. But anyway, obviously it all worked out for the Sabres and did not work out for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, This texter says, uh, Reed, I've heard this discussed on your show before. It might be odd in hockey, but the NHL should seriously consider putting a shot clock in place for overtime. What was stopping Eichel from standing behind his own net until just 20 seconds were left and then making a push to win the game? It's a text coming into 780-496-0063. Well, the shot clock question, the discussion has come up before. I don't think the NHL would ever ever do that. I, I would think that if Eichel would, or any player really stood behind his net for a long time in overtime, he'd get the, the move-it calls from the referee and then probably eventually the referee would just blow the play dead and would say, you're not moving the puck, now there's a face-off in your own end of the rink. I, I would think that is what would happen. But yes, they're, they're in three-on-three overtime, there can be a lot of circling back. There can be a lot of waiting, trying to make the defensive team make a mistake or force them into making a change or charge at you or, or something like that. But again, I still think Clefbaum could have defended that a little better. But he didn't, and uh, Eichel pulled away and was set up for a penalty shot to win it for the Buffalo Sabres. I, I, I don't think the NHL would ever put in a shot clock. Interesting debate, though. So the Oilers had a good first period. They, I, I mean, I can't remember the Oilers getting a good scoring chance over the final two periods. I really can't. The, the, there was a play in the second period. Yamamoto got a little bit of room down the right-hand boards and put a cross-ice centering pass to Nugent Hopkins, who couldn't quite connect, didn't result in a shot on goal. Probably the best chance that the Oilers had over the final two periods and overtime, where they didn't even touch the puck. So we see good little bursts from the Oilers still. I don't think we've seen a good complete game in a while. Maybe the win in Dallas. Obviously that one got hairy in the last five minutes, but you know the other team is going to make a bit of a push when they're down. Head coach Dave Tippett talking today about trying to maintain a high level when you're playing with the lead. Well, you got to push that ahead, you know. you got to keep doing things well that, that have got you the lead. 
that you got to keep going, and uh, and you don't, you know, there's no mindset of backing off, but it's it's more the mindset to sustain the pressure to keep doing things that you were doing, you know, and uh, and that's hard. Like you got to keep going hard all the time. You can't take your foot off the gas. And there's been, uh, like I say, those some of the execution issues that we end up playing too much in our own end. We don't keep our foot on the gas of playing enough in the offensive zone, and eventually that comes back to bite you. Well, it did for the Oilers, and, and 14 shots in the first period. They they did not get 14 shots total the rest of the game. There's we're, we're discussing a lot about the Oilers at this time of year. The league's tightening up. Um, teams are reacting to what other teams are doing. Clearly, if you're coaching against the Oilers, if you're playing against the Oilers, you're preparing for two players. And that's nothing against Nugent Hopkins or Neal or Cassian or some other players who are having decent seasons. But if you can stop Dreisaitl and McDavid, you are probably going to stop the Oilers. And then if you don't take too many penalties, like the Rangers did, and the Oilers were able to capitalize on the power play. Five-on-five, the Oilers are not a good team. They were not a good five-on-five team last year. McDavid and Dreisaitl had some pretty good games five on five the first 20 or 25 games it's slowed down for them five on five lately uh Sunil Agrahotri who is uh, the superfan the superfan.ca he writes a lot of really good stuff he does a lot of analytical stuff uh if if you're into more of sort of a, a math look at the NHL and at the Oilers it is interesting to read you know if you like charts and that that kind of thing uh he charts a lot of shot attempts and five on five performance and a lot of stuff is showing from from his work that that we've talked about a lot as well. The Oilers don't have a lot of secondary scoring. Now, you know what? Maybe by the end of the year, Archibald's going to get to double digits. Maybe Shane will get to double digits by the end of the year. We use that kind of magic number of 10 for a lot of players coming into the team. I don't think Nygaard is going to get there. I don't think Haas is going to get there. Marcus Granlund at this point may never play another game in the NHL for the Oilers. He's probably the biggest downer out of all those guys because he's had the best he had the best NHL history coming to the team. Uh, you know, Chason is who he is. He had that hot start last year. He'll he'll probably get to double digits by the end of the year, but not much else. Cassian, I think, has had a pretty good year. Neil is not a good five-on-five player, but he's a streaky scorer. He got three against the Rangers. He does help on the power play. But it's some five-on-five struggles. Now, I, I, I know there's been a little more criticism of general manager Ken Holland lately. Well, why didn't he get more uh, secondary scoring in the summer? Why didn't he push harder to be in on the Taylor Hall trade? All that kind of stuff. I th- this is what I think happened with Holland. Well, I'm pretty sure of this because he, he's talked about this, but let's, let's remember his approach in the offseason and what Dave Tippett wanted as well. A big focus was on goal prevention, and I'm sure Ken Holland would have loved to go out there and get a couple of 25 goal scorers, especially somebody that actually uh, that could actually be a shooter for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. If you, if you think the number of games over the last two and a half years that Ryan Nugent Hopkins has played without a legitimate NHL finisher, how many more assists could Nugent Hopkins have over the last two and a half years? 30, 35? You know, just if he played with somebody who could shoot the puck and and saw the game the way he saw it. Anyway, I'm sure Holland would have loved to get guys like that. There really wasn't the cap room to do that. So you're signing players for between, you know, 750 and 1.5 million like Shane, like Archibald, like Granlund, players like that who you're hoping can help with the goal prevention and maybe score just enough. Now with Granlund, he's not helping at all right now. He's in the minors. Shane and Archibald have been good penalty killers. 
And even though the penalty kill hasn't been as good lately, the goal it did help with goal prevention the first two months of the season. We'll see if the penalty kill can get back to, to where it was or closer to where it was. It's still top 10 in the league. And then the scoring from, from the support players has not been quite where you would have hoped it would have been. But I, I think that's the card Holland was playing this season. Help with the goal prevention. You know, hope you can tie the game when McDavid and Drysdale aren't on the ice and then hope you can win it in those 20 minutes. It, it, look, it's a risky bet. There, are, there aren't, there are still, there are still plenty of ways for the Oilers to lose a game and there aren't, there aren't enough ways for them to win a game. Really good teams have a lot of different ways to win. Sometimes their goalie beats you. Sometimes their second line beats you. Sometimes the third line beats you. Sometimes the stars just beat the crap out of you. And the bad teams have a lot of ways to lose. Now, that is one thing, as flawed as the Oilers are, that is one thing that they generally have eliminated from last year, is that they do not lose games specifically because of their penalty kill. There's maybe one or two they have, and a couple others the penalty kill has hurt them. But if you went and looked at last year, you could probably find five, six, seven games they lost specifically because of the penalty kill and probably another half dozen more where the penalty kill was a big part of the loss. So what did Holland do? What did he really improve on? That would be area number one to me. But clearly there's still a lot of work to do in the roster. They're in the final playoff spot in the West. There is some separation between them and some of the teams beneath them, which is good. But they can't have another, you know, 17-game stretch like they've had here where they win only five. 780-496-0063. You can text or call. Uh, this texture says, hey, Reed, here's a novel concept. Maybe Settle wins the overtime face-off. We chased them the entire overtime due to that. Uh, this texture says, the Oilers could never afford Hall. The whole thing was an absolute farce. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Well, I, I agree. The Oilers were never seriously in on Taylor Hall. So there you go. Hi, this is Zach Cassian from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Thank you, Zach Cassian, who had this to say about the ebbs and the flows of the Oilers season. Through an 82-game season, there's going to be different storylines. Um, your power play will go cold for a couple games. Your PK might go cold. Your 5-on-5. Guys are going to go through slumps. Uh, just collectively as a group, you're right. At the beginning of the year, we found ways to get out of those ruts early collectively, and um, it hasn't happened as much as we'd like it lately. But I think um, we're all looking forward to the task tomorrow against a good team. Like I said earlier, we, we seem to rise against better teams in the league. We've proven that. And... Um, it's an important game for us. Uh, keep the road trip. Uh, try to get points in, in every game we play. All right. Still four games left on this road trip tomorrow in Boston. Toronto coming up on Monday. Montreal on Thursday. And then Calgary one week from tomorrow. A lot of uh, good opponents. A lot of good uh, hockey cities that the Oilers are visiting. Kyler Yamamoto, I would have to say so far so good. Two games in. 
has a goal and an assist. He was asked what's improved in his game. I think I'm just playing with a lot more confidence. Um, you know, when I get the puck, not as nervous with it um, right now. So, um, you know, it feels really good. And, um, you know, the game has slowed down a little bit. Um, you know, Jad's been talking to me a lot and Nuge. Um, so, you know, they've been really helping me out a lot on the bench. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, we can keep going. That is, I, I thought, the best that a line without Connor McDavid on it has looked for the Oilers this season in terms of generating some zone time and getting chances. That was Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl, and Yamamoto. Problem last night was McDavid, Neal, and Cassian had very little on the go. We will call a quick timeout. Bob Beers, always great to have him on the show, analyst for the Boston Bruins. They're kind of a top head. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. ...team as well... And you think the Oilers struggle in overtime? Bruins are even worse. He'll tell you why. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Tomorrow's National Spaghetti Day. Today's National Drinking Straw Day. Tomorrow, National Spaghetti Day. Why not make them the same day and you could try to inhale your spaghetti through a drinking straw? NHL tonight, start of the second period. Capitals and Hurricanes are scoreless. Shots are 18-7 for the Hurricanes. Just about to get underway. The Red Wings and the Stars. Oil Kings in action tonight at 7 against Moose Jaw at Rogers Place. We'll keep you updated once that one gets underway. Ilya Kovalchuk signed by the Canadians to a two-way contract. Dallas's Corey Perry gets a five-game suspension for the elbow on Ryan Ellis in the Winter Classic. Former Stars coach Jim Montgomery, he was fired on December 10th for what the Stars called unprofessional conduct. They didn't give any further details. Uh, Jim Montgomery speaking publicly for the first time since then, and he has said he has entered alcohol Rehab. He was fired on December 10th. You can text 780-496-0063. That's also the good old-fashioned phone number. Lyndon writes in. Oh, we hear from Lyndon periodically. He always has uh, something well thought out to say. He says the Oilers scored twice on their first seven shots of the game last night, had 11 shots in the first 10 minutes. They were pushing it and winning the battles. After that, they had 16 shots in the last 51 minutes of the game and only one shot on net in the last 14 minutes of the third period. That's not a recipe for success. And in the past, splitting up McDavid and Dreisaitl hasn't been a recipe for success either. That is from Linden. Absolutely accurate observations about the start of the game. I think a couple of things happened, Linden. I thought the Oilers started well, and I thought Buffalo didn't. So I think you have to take in the performance of the, uh, of the opponent into account as well. Uh, you know, Buffalo's going to wake up a little bit after falling behind 2-0. Uh, but Lyndon says splitting up McDavid and Dreisaitl hasn't been a recipe for success. That That's an ongoing debate with this team. You know, Rob Brown has said several times he, he, he would just leave McDavid and Dreisaitl together because they play well together and they still present the most problems for the opposition. 
a, a year ago, I would have said you got the big three, have at least two of them on the same line and have one centering his own line. After seeing how last season finished and the start of this year, I've been more along the lines of let's just leave McDavid and Dreisaitl together. That still often leaves Nugent Hopkins on a bit of an island. So so here now with Yamamoto up, could you go? Could could you leave McDavid with Dreisaitl and Cassian? Which, by the way, it doesn't look like they're they had been practice today. They ran the same lines as last night, which was McDavid with Neil and Cassian, Dreisaitl, Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, Haas, Nygaard, and Chason, Shane, Kara, and Archibald. So, but could you go back to the big line of McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Cassian, and would Nugent Hopkins, Neil, and Yamamoto be a combination that might work? Maybe the, the problem and the problem with Neil in the top six is he doesn't skate very well, so he's not a good five-on-five player. I, I think sometimes he makes low percentage plays with the puck, and when they work, they look really, really good. And when they don't work, they're, they're turnovers. Now, when he's hot, he can finish as well as anybody on the team when he has that burst, if guys get him the puck. But when he's having an off night, he's either giving the puck away or he's just not noticeable. And I think that the, the latter of that is what happened last night. So you could roll with Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto, and Neal and keep McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Cassian together. To me, that's still a better second line, given how Yamamoto has played his first two games up, if he can keep doing that. And then you just hope Neal has more good games than poor games, I suppose, on the left side. And then you hope the bottom six kills penalties and chips in the odd goal. I mean, that's, that, that's the, one of the big obstacles for the Oilers this season. But fair comment there from, uh, from Lyndon. Uh, this texter says, uh, if Nygaard was the fastest player in the team, why doesn't he play with the second fastest player, McDavid? Well, I don't know if that person's joking around or not, but they've, they've tried Nygaard... Uh, in the top six, he's played a few games there. He, I, th- I think Nygaard has proved in terms of his checking and and dogging the puck and keeping plays alive. He has very little ability to finish. Maybe he can improve on that. It, it seems to me when he does get a chance, it, it often doesn't result in a good opportunity. I, I think he's working hard to get to the right places. His speed is great. He doesn't have the speed with the puck that McDavid has. I don't think there's a comparison when it comes to that. All right, 780-496-0063. More of your feedback as we move along. The Boston Bruins are an interesting case. Excellent team, though they have their struggles as well. Bruins analyst Bob Beer is checking in. Bob, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thank you. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oilers and Bruins tomorrow. A lot of hype around this game, but I'm going to take a wild guess, Bob. Perhaps the, uh, perhaps not the marquee game in the Boston area this weekend. <laughs> no, I guess not. And unfortunately, well, fortunately, it's actually later on in the evening, right? It's not till eight o'clock or eight fifteen or whatever it is. So uh, people can do the doubleheader just like they did last week. They were disappointed last week when we did the doubleheader, but hopefully. Uh, People here, yeah, they're they're paying a lot of attention to the New England Patriots and what they're going to do. There's some there's some uh, panic uh, around here right now for a lot of reasons uh, surrounding the Patriots. Well, yeah, and I mean, look, we're going to talk about the Bruins, but you're you're there, and I've been seeing. Like, I saw one, I saw one headline, and I thought it was crazy to see it, but there was one headline saying, "Is this loss to Miami the official end of the Patriots dynasty?" And I was kind of like, "Okay, settle down here." Like, <laughs> and if it, if it is the end, it's been a hell of a ride for that team. <laughs> 
It's been a great ride. It has been a great ride. I don't know if it's the end or not, but it's been a. Uh, we're a little spoiled around here. I will admit that. That's it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. All right, the Bruins are having a pretty good year, but I got to ask you about what I think is one of the oddest stats in the NHL this season. The Bruins have been <laughs> tied. Yeah, they've been tied after sixty minutes, thirteen times. They have won two of their games that have been tied after 60 minutes. Uh, I got them at 2-5 and five in overtime and then 0-6 and in shootouts. How can a team with that much talent possibly have such a poor overtime and shootout record? Yeah, it's it's been baffling, to be honest with you. It really has. I mean, you know, the, the, the overtimes have been relatively entertaining, Um well, the other night wasn't wasn't all that great, but uh, um, they, they've been entertaining. There have been chances kind of both ways, so they've been kind of evenly played for the most part. Uh, and then, you know, the shootouts have just been, they've just been ugly. It's just, you know, the Bruins have had a lot of trouble scoring goals. Um, they're getting the, the pretty good goaltending from both of their goaltenders, but they're just they're having trouble scoring for a while there. I think Charlie Coyle was the only guy that had scored, and he was like two for four or two for five. Now a couple other guys have, have finally been able to score, but it's been it's been really frustrating for them. I think it's something that is playing with their their minds because you know a lot of close games, a lot of close games this time of year. But you've got to be able to come up with the extra point now and again. And uh, right now for them, it's a um, with all the talent that they have, with you know, especially some of that high-end talent, you know, you would think that they would be able to to win a lot more of these games than they're losing. And and there are, I mean, they got a huge lead in the division. I think it's eight points or nine points now in Toronto, whatever it is. But you know, think of how well they would be if they were able to bank some of those other points. Did other teams do anything in overtime? I, I mean, Buffalo won the face-off yesterday against Edmonton, and held the puck for as long as possible till Eichel got his window and, and broke down the ice. I, I mean, I know that's easier said than done, win the face-off and never yeah. give the other team the puck, but is there anything specific teams try to do against Boston in overtime? No, I mean, it, it seems like a lot of teams are doing that. I mean, I've certainly seen a lot of overtime games here this year, and it just seems like a lot of, it's, you know, it's about puck possession. You want to hold on to it. You want to wait for a team to make a mistake, whether it's a line change or whether it's a botched, uh, you know, a coverage um, play. And, you know, maybe you beat somebody up the ice. They, 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 they attempt a shot if they have the puck, and all of a sudden now you're gone two-on-one going back the other way. And that's kind of what happened the other day against Columbus, yesterday against Columbus. Um, you know, uh, Pasternak had an opportunity kind of going in back door, got a pass from Krejci, was just chipped wide. You know, Seth Jones picks it up behind the net. You know, Pasternak's got a choice, right back off, or do I go at him? He went at him, and Seth Jones just took off, and it was a you know clear-cut two-on-one going back the other way. So just wait for other teams to make a mistake. You know, you get them in a long shift. Uh, I think a lot of teams are doing that. They're not afraid to bring the puck back out to the neutral zone. You know, it's just keep possession of it until you can really attack. And, and you know, that's what just what teams are doing against Boston, and they're trying to do the same thing. They just haven't had the success. Bruins analyst Bob Beers joining us on Inside Sports. With the Oilers, we have two players who get a lot of points, McDavid and Dreisaitl, and there are a lot of concerns about the depth, secondary scoring, and that's been a weakness for the Oilers, not just this year, but even going back to the last couple of years. Boston's got the high-flying line. It, it, I mean, look, they have a much better record than Edmonton. Did, did the Bruins face the same sort of concerns and criticisms that – there's there's not enough depth, or how do you sum up what's going on there? Some nights, yes. Uh, some nights, not as much. Um, you know, they, they've got they, they feel that they're very strong down the middle. 
you know, you've got Bergeron, uh, you've got David Krejci, you've got Charlie Coyle, and Sean Corrali rounds out, usually rounds out the fourth line. Uh, they, they, were, they went a little different way the other night. They went with Coyle on the right wing with David Krejci. But uh, they've, you know, they've toyed with that idea. So they feel that they're very strong down the middle. It's kind of on the wings that they're lacking a little bit right now, and they're hoping they're, you know, they're waiting and hoping for somebody to step up from within the organization. Um, it's been a revolving door of wingers that have played with David Krejci this season. It was the same last year, to be honest. Uh, even into the playoffs, um, you know, there was a, a first-year guy named Carson Kuhlman who was playing a lot there on that wing um, because they were solidified on a third line. Um, they had Coyle, Johansson, uh, Marcus Johansson, who they brought in at the deadline. Um, and then they had uh, Dan Heinen. So it was a pretty strong third line. So they're they're toying with a lot of different things right now. And, you know, there are some nights that the, the, the secondary scoring is there. There's other nights where it's just, you know, it's kind of maddening because you don't get enough out of some of those other lines. And, you know, if the top line gets shut down and, you know, you're, you're searching for other ways to, to score goals. And I know Edmonton scored a lot of power play goals this year. Boston has scored a lot of power play goals this year as well. But their five-on-five five numbers are good. So, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand, but they need that top line to be, you know, outstanding on most nights if they're going to have a good chance to win. All right, and uh, who do you think we see in goal tomorrow? I think he, uh, I think uh, Bruce Cassidy announced I believe it's Yarrow Alok playing tomorrow. He's had a very good season. Both goaltenders have been good all year, you know, a couple games here and there, but most for the most part they've been very good. Alok's numbers are real good. He's coming off a shutout against the Sabres uh, in his most recent outing. Okay. Well, we look forward to it, Bob. There have been some uh, good games between these two teams over the past few seasons. Hopefully it's another one tomorrow. Really appreciate your time. Have a great call. Yeah, thank you very much. I look forward to it as well. Thanks. Bob Beers, former Edmonton Oiler as well. Always awesome to catch up with him on Inside Sports. So some good thoughts there on the Bruins. He said sometimes they have the same complaints about depth scoring that we have about the Oilers. Not all the time. And he uh, told you why they're struggling a little bit in uh, overtime and the shootout. Trent writes in, he says, if the uh, if the game happens to make it to overtime tomorrow, guaranteed the slump buster Oilers will boost Boston's overtime record. That is from Trent. Uh, Bacon Man writing in, he says, it seems the Oilers have struggled to face offs the past 15 years. Why? I suggest this is one huge part of the struggles the franchise has seen. Well, I think that's a fair point, Bacon Man. I, I think... Uh, yeah, they've never really had. When was the last time they had a dom, like a really good faceoff guy? They've had some faceoff guys who have had good seasons, maybe getting up around fifty-two percent. I think Latestu had one. Leon has had, uh, you know, extended stretches of games where he's been over fifty percent. Nugent Hopkins is having a better season faceoff wise, but what we're year eight in his career, and he's not as good as you would like, and that really hurts the special teams. Really hurts the special teams, and I think we've seen it at times this year, and I think especially the two previous seasons where the penalty kill was so horrific that they couldn't win uh, a faceoff while shorthanded. If you win that faceoff and shoot it down the ice, you've probably killed 20 to 25 seconds on the penalty before the other team gets it back in and sets up. Yakushev writing in, one of the most entertaining textures we have. He says, hey, Reed, if I win the Lotto Max, can I pay for a couple of wingers to bypass the NHL salary cap? Yakushev, that's good thinking. I, I think that that would, that would be against the rules. At the very least, it would be strictly frowned upon. Like you would get a text message of Gary Bettman frowning, but I think it's outright against outright against the rules. Though I do appreciate the the attempt, Yakushev. You're always thinking. You're always thinking. Uh, we're going to catch up with Kurt Hill, the general manager of the Oil Kings, 
after the break. He's getting uh, ready to take in his team's game against Moose Jaw. Later on tonight, we're going to talk to uh, Edmonton runner Roy Svenningson, 84 years of age. He recently became the oldest person to run a marathon in Antarctica. Yes, Antarctica. He ran a marathon in, well, the coldest place in the world. Yeah, he's going to join us. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's between 7.30 and 8. That's on Inside Sports on 6.30 Chat. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. David Stern was the commissioner of the NBA for 30 years. He stepped aside in 2014. He passed away a couple of days ago of a brain hemorrhage. We will uh, speak with Howard Beck between 7 and 7.30 tonight, senior NBA writer for the Bleacher Report. Uh, Really got to know uh, David Stern, who was a uh, monumental figure, had a huge impact on the NBA, and, and really I think it affected other North American pro sports as well. So we'll have that story, that insight, coming up after the 7 o'clock news. Oil Kings getting set to go against Moose Jaw at Rogers Place. We're pleased to be joined by the general manager of the Oil Kings, Kurt Hill. Kurt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always great to have you on the show, and the Oil Kings having a really good season and uh, a win over Everett. On New Year's Day, two of the top teams in the Western Hockey League, a close game. You guys pulled it out. I know it's all about building towards the playoffs and ultimately doing well in the postseason, but is that of a, a bit of a benchmark victory, you know, one that was circled on the calendar, Kurt, or how do you look at that one? Yeah, no, I think it was a game that, uh, you know, we were excited about, our group was excited about. Obviously, there's, there's two teams with really good records going at it. I know they're... Their goalie was gone, but uh, regardless of that fact, they have a really, really strong defensive core, and they play a real good team, uh, systematic game. So uh, I thought uh, we we kind of were taken by a little bit of surprise early in the first period, and we didn't have the greatest first. But after that, the way our guys responded and pushed back and and won a real physical, hard playoff style game, I was quite impressed with our group and happy with the outcome. Well, you mentioned the other team's goaltending. Your goaltending has been a story as well. Sebastian Koss is the WHL Goalie of the Month for December. He went 6-1-1 one, and one in December. Tell me a little bit about his play, the, 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 the work he's been giving you. you. You don't go very far without strong goaltending. And, and, you know, is this is he maybe ahead of where you thought he might be, or how do you look at his season as a whole? Well, no, I think he's had a, I think he's had a great season, obviously, uh, I've kind of mentioned he's done an outstanding job for us this year. I think he he's had a lot of work as of late here, which um, you know maybe wasn't anticipated for him to work that much at the start of the season. But uh, he's responded extremely well to it. I think uh, it's our job to continue to to put him in good situations. He's obviously going to be the future of our group here, and uh, we don't want to make sure that we're rushing that and putting him in in a bad situation. So. Um, 
all in all, I think it's been a great, great season so far for him. Hopefully, he can keep that going, and uh, now he gets a guy in here too that he can uh, he can learn from a veteran of the league that's played that's played a lot of games in the Western League, and you know he's played in a lot of big situations. I think uh, for us having that one-two punch, it, it's important going into the playoffs, and uh, it's important the rest of the season. Well, you brought in goaltender Beck Warm. You also got defenseman Samuel Stewart. You had a couple deletions from your roster recently as well. Goaltender Todd Scott, defenseman Connor McDonald. Uh, you know, they took some time and, and decided, uh, you know, maybe a future with the Oil Kings wasn't for them anymore. I, you know, I know a guy, for Connor, I can say I got to interview him uh, a lot. Uh, High-energy kids seem to love being an Oil King, but sometimes, uh, you know, things happen with, with young people and they, they decide maybe they got to step in a different direction. As a general manager, can you kind of, I know you can't maybe get into the specifics for each player, but just, you know, dealing with uh, with those types of requests and, and situations and I guess balancing the, the team needs with what that individual person might need. Yeah, for sure. I mean, in, in Connor's case, uh, you know, just some personal personal stuff going on. I think he uh, wanted to be a little bit closer to home and wanted to make sure that he still had, had some love for the game, which uh, he ultimately he came around to the decision that he did and wanted to try to be closer to home and uh, fortunately we, we were able to facilitate a move that uh, worked for him and uh, more importantly worked for, for the Oil Kings and our organization acquiring a first and a third round pick from them. Um, the other situation with Todd Scott, I think uh, at the start of the year we decided that uh, Todd was the guy we were going to run with and uh, we released Miskew at that time and uh, you know Todd had a great start to the season and uh, had a bit of a, a bumpy November and Kosa seemed to seemed to have a, a little bit of a better November, started to get a few more starts and, uh, you know, down the stretch here close to the Christmas break, um, you know, Todd just made the decision that uh, he also, you know, he didn't want to didn't want to compete for that starting job and didn't want to be a backup. So he uh, decided that he was going to pursue other opportunities closer to home as well. Kurt Hill, general manager of your Edmonton Oil Kings, joining us on Inside Sports. They have a game coming up against Moose Jaw tonight, another home game against Saskatoon on Sunday. Uh, you know, the deadline is January 10th. You, you have brought in a couple of the players we, we've talked about. What, if anything, would you still like to round out the roster? You're having a, a good year, you know, maybe one of those peak years we talk about in, in junior hockey. Do you have a, something that's a priority on the shopping list, so to speak? Well, I think we had we've we've addressed a few of the priorities. Obviously, uh, with the goaltending situation, I think even regardless with Todd leaving, it was something that we were looking at upgrading um, in the, in that fashion. I mean, as we talked about, Costas had a fantastic year, and but we wanted a veteran presence in there, a guy that he could learn from, and a guy that uh, we could rely on having a, a steady one-two punch with. Um, so we did address that need. We did want to acquire another defenseman. It's just the timing was just really good with it, with obviously the McLeod injury and him going down. But uh, we were able to bring in an older defenseman a 19 year old which uh, we had on our had on our list as well so uh, that's Sam Stewart you know a really good puck moving D-man that skates well and it brings a lot of uh, maturity uh, to our back end and obviously with uh, Warm he's one of the elite goaltenders in the league so that uh, that solidifies that as well so I think now it's kind of just uh, evaluating you know what else is what else is out there what else comes up and uh, right now it's not easy to always find trading partners either so finding the perfect marriage is something that uh, you know sometimes takes a lot of work but uh, something that we look at here every day and um, I feel our group's done a fantastic job this year so i don't think there's there's any uh any reason to 
change things up too much, but um, something that we'll continue to evaluate. I think the core of our group um, with our O1s and, and O2s is something that you got to be careful with too, where you don't want to you don't want to go out and spend too much. Where we see, you know, you don't want to look ahead too much either. But next year, you know, a lot of that core starts to hit the 19-year-old and 18-year-old in our group, and we're finally going to have 20-year-old players that are homegrown oil kings. So it's uh, a little bit of a give and take too, where you don't want to be care- too careful. Or you you leave your shells bare for next season either. All right, well said. Kurt, thanks for coming on right before a game. Always appreciate it. Continued success with the Oil Kings. Thank you, Reed. Appreciate it. Oil Kings Moose Jaw will face off just after 7 at Rogers Place. We'll keep you updated once it gets going. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your furnace replacement specialist with over 500 five-star Google review. Call 7804-FAMILY. Eight minutes left in the second period. Washington leading Carolina 2-0 in the NHL. Got a really good text here from Dean. Some of his observations on the Oilers. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.